guys. Welcome back. It's Jacqueline. And it's Alana. And we're back for another episode of Black and Yellow. Okay. Hope your summers are going well. Mm-hmm. We are talking about pregnancy and birth today. We're talking about getting born or getting someone born. <laughs> getting someone born. <laughs> getting someone born. <laughs> Pushing out a watermelon is like old school black grandmothers used to call it. Oh. Yeah, a little slang, a little, pre- little pregnancy slang there for you. Interesting. Yep. Um, but yeah, we're talking about birth and how the pregnancy process, the birthing process differs when you are a person of color, perhaps you are black, perhaps you are Asian, even Hispanic, versus that of a white woman. Mm-hmm. So, Jackie, do you want kids? Oh, yeah. You're like five right now, please. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted probably I want kids probably like yesterday. Oh god! Um, no, no, no I, I, I'm all kidding aside. Uh, yeah. E, yeah. I am a little bit, a little lot, baby crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll vouch for that. A little lot, totally. <laughs> a little lot, yeah. Uh, I just, I, you know what it is? I know I'm gonna be a good mom. I agree with that. I do think I you'll be a great mom. No, I would be a great mom, and I like taking care of people. It's funny. I don't think about – I don't necessarily need to get married. Okay. And I think I told you this before. I don't need to get married, but I need to have a baby. I get that. And I have to tell my uterus to calm the fuck down sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, when I see a baby, I'm like – You do get really excited when you see – I do. You see – like, at work, yeah. right? I'm like, baby! Especially, like, newborns to infants. Like, yeah. I feel like you really latch on to those Real sorts quick. of kids. Toddlers, I don't know. Not, I don't know how you are with toddlers. I'm pretty good because my sister's a toddler. Not so much, but, like, the actual, like, baby baby. Like, the ones you have to hold and breastfeed Got and it. take care of. They, they're, they, like, literally can't move. You know, kind yeah. of style. Like, obviously, on their own. Like, with their feet. Um, Hi, <laughs> can I say that? Can I explain that anymore? Uh-huh. <laughs> They have a head and arms. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love babies and I'm good with them and I like them. And I. You do have the patience of a saint. I do. You do. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't really think that was a quality of mine because sometimes it I is. can be very impatient, but I guess. Well, you're always the calm one. Yeah. If you If you and I are ever having like a. <laughs> podcast dispute i'm always like the fiery one <laughs> and you're always meeting me with like cool calm you're the yin to my yang oh you know i like that <laughs> <laughs> uh so anyways i but I, I i will have kids i think i'm gonna wait probably till i'm in my 30s like later in my 30s okay probably the latest I'll, i'd want to have kids i mean granted people are living longer technology is amazing now so you know Women are having babies later anyways. For sure. Um, I think I'll the latest I'll have a baby is maybe 36. Okay. I think that's good. All right. Yeah. Cool. For me, um, the verdict is still out. Uh, I don't know if I want to be a mom. I yeah, don't know if child rearing and motherhood is in my future. In path, yeah. It's definitely not something that I feel a strong calling towards. I do not. Um, Does your mom... Of course. Want you to have kids? Yes. My yeah. mother is, is an, uh, the mother of an only child. Like, I... Oh, yeah. I didn't... I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I could have had kids 10 years ago, and she'd be like, yes! Oh, my God. Perfect. <laughs> um, I think my mom 
more wants me to have kids than I yes. want to have kids. Mm-hmm. I know that my mom jokes. She's like, when you have kids, I'm going to get a Range Rover and that's going to be the grandma car. So I think my mom has like beautifully amazing dreams of grandmother grandeur. And I totally respect her for that. Sure. Um, but yeah. I don't know if I, I, I'm... Mm. <laughs> the jury is the the verdict is still out. The jury is undecided. You've got time. No I have time. Um, plenty of time. I will say that little known fact in college. I think I was a junior in college. I did toy with the idea of wanting to be a midwife and go into midwifery. Yeah, me too. Like as a career totally. change. Um, I was taking a human sexuality class and we had a midwife come in and talk about midwifery and her career and the practices. And she spoke of being a midwife with such enthusiasm and enlightenment and vim and vigor. And it was the sort of thing where, you know, when someone's really excited about anything Mm -hmm. and you can feel it like deep into your bones. Oh my God. And I thought like, Maybe I want to be a midwife. And then mm-hmm. I actually looked into what it meant to be a midwife and the sort of training that you would have to go through. It takes a lot. Yeah. And I was like, let's be real. Like, I sort of barely applied myself uh, <laughs> in college. Like, college. I, I don't know if I'm going to then go and apply myself wholeheartedly in um, further education. Interesting. Yeah, I looked it up, too. And I remember being like, oh, my God, it'd be amazing to deliver babies. And then... I also looked into it and I was like, I don't know. There's a lot of schooling. There's a lot of schooling. It's essentially like medical school. There's a lot of stress and pressure on the line because you're bringing a new life into this world and you can't fuck it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, I think that your life is very much dedicated. You're, I think it's a life of service, if you will. Your yeah. life is very much dedicated to the moms who you are working with, working for, and the baby's lives who you are responsible for. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that quickly ended. But, um, yeah, midwifery, I, I, it crossed my mind for a second. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, wow. there. You, th- now you know. Now didn't, I, know. I don't necessarily want to be a mom, but for a period of time, I wanted to be a midwife. Huh. Um, anyways, in this episode, we're going to be talking about how birth and pregnancy differ when you are a person of color versus a white woman. I think in our U.S. society... A happy pregnancy, a happy birth is um, very much depicted by white women. Mm-hmm. Um, in the the prep for this show, I, I think I answered some questions for myself as to why I'm not excited to become a mom, but we'll get to that. Um, but this the research for this episode definitely made me very sad and very angry and... Um, a thorough of emotions. A, a ton of different emotions. Just in how African-American women have a very high maternal mortality rate mm. in the U.S. Uh, the difficulty that African-American women have in securing fair, unbiased medical treatment mm-hmm. when they are pregnant or, and subsequently the year after they give birth um, left me with a lot of different feelings about pregnancy in the U.S. Mm. And in prep for the show, I tried to look for popular minority pregnancy blogs. When I say popular, I mean like popular to white standards, like the pregnancy blogs that have broken through and are successful across all Je- uh, across all racial lines, not just in the black world or uh-huh. in the Hispanic world or in the Asian world. Right. And there's not very many. There's I'm not, not very surprised. Many. Nope. Not surprised at all. And that makes me really sad and really angry because it further 
pushes this idea that to have a, preg- a, a happy pregnancy, a beautiful pregnancy, you got to do it the right way. And the right way is the white way. But I think that mm. we forget that the white way also comes with unbiased medical care yeah, and uh, a non-devaluing of Caucasian female bodies. And um, yeah, I was just left with a lot of thoughts. So we're going to get into it. So let's just like start at the top. Yeah. Let's start with some fun for pregnancy facts. So <laughs> black and Asian women have shorter pregnancies. This was something that I did not know. So the average full-term birth is 40 weeks. However, beyond 40 weeks, so 41 weeks and on, it's considered past term. Um, and this breakdown is taken from an average woman. So 40 weeks is an average pregnancy for an average woman. Read that is a white woman because apparently black and uh, Asian and yeah, Hispanic women are not regular. We're not average. 30, I think mine was 36. Yeah, for black and Asian women, the uh, the average term is 39 weeks. And so 41 weeks on is considered dangerous. So that's fact one. Fact two, South Asian women have a higher rate of stillbirths. This was something oh, I did I like not know. So uh, a sh- Asian women, as I just said, have shorter births and um, pregnancies that that go on past a full term raise risks. And uh, the percentages of stillbirth among South Asian pregnancies are treated or against Asian women are treated differently. However, with South Asian women, they tend to carry smaller babies overall. Yes. Average birth weights under 4.4 pounds are more common in South Asian women and increase the likelihood of infant loss that is a tiny baby that's a very very small baby uh the mortality rate for babies born to south asian mothers were high for every common cause including congenial abnormality fever maternal bmi and placenta abruption so there's that Black women have a higher risk for preeclampsia, which is uh, essentially ex- essentially very high blood pressure during pregnancy. Mm. So gestational hypertension is more common with black women and least common with Hispanic and Asian Pacific Islander first-time moms. Moms that are diagnosed with preeclampsia during pregnancy later have a 1.7 times higher risk of dying from cardiovascular disease later in life. Mm. Next fun fact, Asian moms and non-Asian dads carry higher risk for gestational diabetes and c-section so a lot of the belief for that is because so asian women naturally have smaller pelvises but when you are uh having a non-asian partner i guess the 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 risk for the baby to be larger is greater ah that makes sense so it's harder to push that baby out so asian couples in general tend to have smaller babies but when you introduce a non-asian partner the babies tend to be larger because Asian women have smaller uh, pelvises and hips. Uh, C-section. And the non-Asian partner is generally bigger than an Asian man. Correct. Yeah, definitely. African-American women face mortality rates four times higher than white women. Oh, we will get to that in this episode. Just, just put that in the back of your mind, but we will talk about that. Again, let me read that fact. African-American women face mortality rates four times higher than white women. You want a reason as to why I'm not excited to be a mom? There's there's a reason for it. There's you. a reason for it. Next fact. I knew this, actually. Black women say it's a girl more often. Black women huh. give birth to women more often than our non-black counterparts who give birth to males more often. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
non-black counterpart, meaning white. White or Hispanic. Interesting. Next fun fact, white women will take the epidural more often. I knew that as well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, researchers were trying to determine if pain was just under-treated in minority women or if minority women just tolerate pain better. Uh, yep. <laughs> Epidural rates vary by age, race, number of births, geographic location, and education level. Epidural rates are also lower for births assisted by midwives than physicians. So Hmm. it's kind of hard to pinpoint why epidurals are taken by uh, white women more commonly than black, Asian, or Hispanic. Though I would guess a part of that is because I know Hispanic women are very anti-drug and alcohol of any kind during pregnancy night and obviously his Asian women are too. Yeah. I think that would be a big factor. Yeah. So next fact, black women are more likely to give birth preterm. We have small, our terms are shorter. So we're more susceptible to preterm births and uh, which is a birth before 37 weeks. Infant death rates are also 2.4 times higher for black infants than white infants, which preterm birth being one key factor is a reason for that. There could also be environmental factors like exposure to smoke, lead, and air pollution influences. Preterm births and black moms have more exposure to those things than white moms. So environmental factors definitely do play a term, uh, play a role in preterm births. Wow. Black women tend to hold on to extra pregnancy weight. Oh. <laughs> I don't think Asian women do. Nope. You guys get rid of it pretty fast. But I don't think we gain a lot either. But see, black women also don't gain a lot. But then we, you guys just end we up just hang on to it. Interesting. More. Hmm. Hmm. Just, a, just a thing to know. Hispanic women are more likely to breastfeed. We can also put Asian women in that category. You know what? Ca- what category we cannot put Black women in? Breastfeeding. The breastfeeding category. And we'll get to that. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, white women have bigger babies and wider pelvises to push them through. Hmm. So the adverse of Asian women and their pelvis size. Yeah. That kind of scares me. Well, I thought you wanted to have kids. Get ready. (laughs) You might have a C-section. No, no, no. (laughs) I will not have a C-section. I'm highly against C-sections. But what if you have a baby with a non-Asian counterpart? Then I will pray to God that I have a pelvis. All my aunts, my mom, the side note, all my aunts had non-Asian, have had half Asian and half white babies. And they've all given birth. Naturally. Interesting. I hope that it's in my genes. So they are, they are totally against the statistics yeah great good lord they should play the lottery i know (laughs) (laughs) teen pregnancy rates are sky high among black and latina girls not sky high among asian teens but we'll get to that talk about that first trimester morning sickness is easier on black and asian women that was something i did not know Hmm. we tend to be less affected by morning sickness than white women um One interesting fact to note, if we're talking about people of color, is that Native American and Eskimos report a really low incidence of a really low incidence of morning sickness. Wow. So who knew? Black women feel healthier during pregnancy than white women. And Hispanic women are serious about abstinence from drugs and alcohol. Good for them. Yeah. Apparently illicit drug use was highest among pregnant black women and lowest among Hispanic women. Mm. So was alcohol consumption. So let's talk teen pregnancy for a second, because I was trying to find Asian teenage pregnancy rates in the U.S., and there was, like, not None. a statistic. As, as was I. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we were on the same page with that. Uh, 
I don't ever, ever hear anything about Asian girls getting pregnant with their teenagers, at least in America. Is it, like, looked down upon? Is it just not something that culturally... I think it's women knowing that... I'm sure there are some that have gotten pregnant and maybe their parents weren't looked down upon them or not, hopefully in a, in a loving home environment. It's just not a... Com- it's like like with Latinos, it's like all the time, right? But like in... It does feel like that. Yeah. In Asian culture, it's just not something that happens. It's not something that is maybe generally accepted. You, we all know that it's bad. Got it. Okay. Therefore, we're not going to do it. Well... I, I can totally see that. That makes a lot of sense. I guess uh, it's it's fair to say that teenage pregnancy is declining in the U.S. Oh, that's good. Which is a good thing. Um, however, the biggest two factors in teenage pregnancy among African-American and Hispanic teenagers is geography and poverty. Mm-hmm, so sure. teens that live in poorer cities, especially in the southern United States, have much higher rates of pregnancy than anywhere else because there's a massive lack of opportunity, massive lack of after school um, activities or after school options. Perhaps, perhaps job options are scant and scarce. Um, there's just not a lot for teens in these particular areas to do. And I think that race. So just do each other. Well, I mean, yes yes and no. Like, I think the fact that it's happening to black and Latinos, I don't think it's race-specific. I think it's location-specific more often than not. Yeah, I I think there are certain given circumstances and environment that allow that to be more common than in Asian culture. Definitely. I think that when you couple that with, like, lack of access to good health care, contraception, and quality education, I think that... You, that's the perfect recipe for teenage pregnancy. I also don't think Asian girls are as sexual. Generally, this is a side note, but we're not a very sexual culture in general. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. I think a lot of women have a hard time embracing their sexuality, or I think a lot of Asian girls aren't sexual until way later in their lives. That's an interesting... You know, I don't know what the statistics would be for most, most Asian girls that lose their virginity, but I'm sure it's a little bit later than Latino or black people for sure. Definitely. I yeah. I would totally agree with you on that front. Mm-hmm. I also think your family has a lot to do with it. Yes. You know, if you are the product of a teenage mom, that model is then shown that being a mom should happen to you or is okay to yeah, happen to you acceptable. when you are a teenager as well. I think religion also has a part to play in this. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of African-American people, a lot of Hispanic people are Catholic, Christian, or some sort of offshoot. So contraception isn't necessarily something that mm. is believed in or or, or heavily utilized, mm. um, which also is a reason why we see so many teenage pregnancies among these two particular racial groups. Uh, I see. So I, I think I've said this on the show before. I do think that the U.S. conflates black female teenhood and black female adult. And I do think that African-American women from a very young age are hypersexualized. For sure. Whether or not we want to be or whether or not we actually are sexual beings. Absolutely. And I mean, given the body, you know, you guys are... And I think Latinas too, like you guys are way more curvier than Asian girls. We do start looking like women younger. Younger. You guys have boobs and an ass early and faster and bigger and more and better um, <laughs> because you know I, I i value those curves are great but asian women generally and they value like sticks boards skinny like yeah most asian girls are pretty flat they don't have an ass they don't have a chest and 
that may lend to mm-hmm. sexuality. That may lend to not being sexualized. They may, lend, which is funny, because in 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 the media, we are highly sexualized. highly highly. That's sexualized. a whole separate thing than I think. Like personally, like mm-hmm. as a young girl growing up, not having boobs and an ass and not being sexualized may lend to being sexually active yet later yeah meaning not getting pregnant till much later totally but I, I think it's interesting though that because i agree with everything you're saying but i think part of the hypersexualization and fetishization of asian women part of it is the fact that you guys look so young yes even when you're adults yeah which i think also plays into i mean if anyone has like a school girl or a young girl fantasy i think that Asian women are the first, are the to. go-tos mm-hmm, to, sure. to satiate that crazy. And also that whole, like, innocent, sweet. Yeah, you, you guys know? are, you, you guys do get the lucky default of innocence, yeah. whereas African-American girls do not get that. Uh, Hispanic girls do not get that Mm-mm. either. We are not, by default, believed to be innocent, innocent. Yeah. and sweet. Right. Um that is for fuck sure. <laughs> um, which makes me super duper sad. So I said earlier that the African-American female morta- maternal mortality rate is super duper high in the United States. Right. Um, which is a big reason why I personally am not um, so excited. Inclined. Yeah, about being a mom. So it's an ongoing crisis and it's disproportionately affecting black women. So according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth or up to one year after childbirth, so post-birth, due to complications related to pregnancy. And the scary part about this is that the medical field doesn't really have an answer as to why. Like, yeah, what is medicine that all about? doesn't have an answer as to why those rates are so high. Um, but apparently there are some solutions. So... Black women have access. So part of the belief is that black women don't have access to quality medical care or unbiased medical care. Uh-huh. So the U.S. has a very high maternal mortality death rate in general when we are compared to other developed countries. Right, right, right. For being a first world country, maybe we shouldn't have some kind of statistic like that. Correct. Yeah. So, and it's it's increasing. It's increased 27% uh, to 24 deaths per 100,000 births between 2000 to 2014. That is three times higher than the maternal mortality rate in the UK and eight wow. times higher than the more than the maternal mortality rate oh my god say that 10 times fast um of the netherlands norway and sweden so just like wrap your head around that we have a, a crisis happening to our new moms yeah which would totally freak any mom out from being up uh, from ever becoming a mom right because right, we right. can't quite put a finger um on why yeah on why that's happening yeah so uh one african-american mom who lost her life her name was erica garner if that name sounds familiar it does it's because her father eric garner was uh, essentially strangled by a policeman and murdered a couple of years ago oh my gosh she died at 27 after giving birth to her son. She was an activist after her dad's passing, and uh, she has recently passed away. Wow. Um, and Vox had a great article 
on this. And Vox says, uh, this is a national tragedy, but we aren't doing the research that's needed and could help hospitals accountable nationwide. That's from Patrice Kahn Coolers, a senior fellow studying maternal mortality with Moms Rising and a co-founder of Black Lives Matter. It's what she told Vox. And so in terms of Erica's death, we're seeing what we're seeing with Erica is not just complications because of birth, but a larger conversation around her lack of access to health care. This is a very common problem for African-American women. Black women don't receive the health care we deserve from the moment we are born. And our mothers didn't receive the health care they deserve. By the time we get pregnant and we go to have children, the absence of care that we should have received has had an effect on our bodies and beyond our years and age beyond our years. That's so sad. Yeah. So let me just break that down to you for a second. Not only are black women unable to receive quality health care, we also mm. have a hard time securing unbiased health care. Mm. This all goes back to a systematic devaluing of the African-American body, specifically in this case, the African-American female body. African-Americans for hundreds of years have had their health concerns minimized or completely pushed to the side. Uh-huh. This is very, Jane, very known, systematic. Known fact. Yeah. And it's especially sad when it's happening to our, our moms who are supposed to have happy, beautiful childbirths because that's what the media has programmed us. Oh, I'm sorry, has brainwashed us into thinking. And they've brainwashed us into thinking this by showing us white people, white people having gorgeous pregnancies. Um, If you go on any sort of mommy bloggers blog or Instagram page, it's all really happy white women having these like picture perfect SD Stanley births. Hardly ever any African-American women. Hardly are our pregnancy Uh problems ever talked about. So according to research, obesity, diabetes, cesarean births, and delayed prenatal care are some risk factors that increase a woman's chance of dying from pregnancy-related complications. How the hell do you get delayed prenatal care? Uh, If you don't have access to good medical care when you find out that you're pregnant, if for some reason maybe you were hiding your pregnancy, if... Mm, I see. Yeah. Like that kind of a thing. Black women also, because we have been systematically devalued and our health concerns have not been listened to, we have a propensity to go to our mothers and our grandmothers for consultation when pregnant and believe them over believing doctors. Like that's a very common practice in the African-American community. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the same in Asian community. And that's the way it was a while ago. And I don't, I don't, to me, I don't see that that's, is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing, but it's a response to the fact that we know that our medical concerns are not taken seriously. So it's hard for us to trust this doctor with a medical degree because it's hard to... Black women know when we are being hated on or discriminated against simply for being black. So when you couple that with the fact that we are pregnant, we have a baby growing inside of us that needs the best sort of care. We know that we're going to get unbiased care from our grandmothers and from our mothers and from our aunts. We know that. We can't 100% believe that we're going to get that from white doctors. I see. 
So in all, black women are 243% more likely than white women to die from pregnancy or child-related causes. And that is according to ProPublica. Uh, the problem is further exacerbated by the American health healthcare system's history of disparate treatment of black women, whose health struggles have been minimized systematically or dismissed, funneling them into medical facilities that are less equipped to handle their pregnancies. Mm. And it doesn't, this is not dependent on your socioeconomic background. Rich, educated black women receive this same sort of treatment that poor uneducated black women Jeez. face when they are pregnant uh, and journalists Nina Martin and Renee Montage explained in a story on black maternity on black maternal mortality in December that black women still face reporting biases when receiving pregnancy related care they say the feeling of being devalued and disrespected by medical providers was a constant theme. The young Florida mother-to-be whose breathing problems were blamed on obesity when in fact her lungs were filling with fluid and her heart Ugh. was failing. The Arizona mother whose anesthesiologist assumed she smoked marijuana because of the way her hair looked. The Chicago area businesswoman with a high risk pregnancy who was so upset at her doctor's attitude that she changed her OBGYN in her seventh month only to suffer a fatal postpartum stroke. Over and over, black women told of medical providers who equated being African-American with being poor, uneducated, uncompliant, and unworthy. Sometimes you just know in your bones when someone feels contempt for you based on your race, oh said one God. Brooklyn woman who took to bringing her white husband or in-laws to every prenatal visit. Can you imagine, like, just wanting to get equal medical treatment and the only way that you could sort of feel like you could do that is to furnish white people yeah. To know that white people were in the room and maybe, just maybe, these doctors would give you the sort of unbiased medical care that they give white women. Yeah, I don't. I, that's, that's not right. This is happening. Right now. So it is right. racism at play yep. in the medical field. This is killing our black women. Mm -hmm. That is a huge part of the reason why I mm -hmm. don't want to be a mom. Mm -hmm. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder, yeah, I, that's, yeah, there's no... It's, it's just so messed up. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Uh, I just wish there was a, a way to develop a system where they could have black doctors and black nurses. Well, that's why so many African-Americans seek out black doctors, yeah. black OBGYNs. Like, that's why we look for people of, of our same skin color and sometimes our own gender. Absolutely. To give us the, the medical care that we feel like we deserve. Deserve. Yeah, you're going through something so vulnerable and life life changing. The last the last thing you need to be need to or the last thing anyone should be experiencing during those times is racism. Yeah, the doctors that I remember seeing as a kid were African American doctors. And I at the time, I mean, I at the mm. time didn't think much of it. I guess in my feminist mind, uh, in my younger feminist mind, I thought, oh, my mom is taking me to black doctors, especially black female doctors, because she wants me to see that black women can be successful, too. But maybe it's the fact that she knew that it was hard to get unbiased medical treatment from a non-black, non-female doctor, and that's yeah. why she did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mom's smart. Yeah. but So that this crisis that is happening in the U.S. is frustrating, and it feels like nothing is really being done about it. So yeah, I, I just talked about it a little bit on this podcast. I had never even thought about that. Yeah, totally.
that blows my mind. So there's that. Once you have a baby, though, our respective ethnicities uh, handle the first year of child rearing a little bit differently. So post post birth, birth for a Chinese woman, there is a Chinese confinement tradition that happens. Yeah, um, it's called direct. What、well, the Chinese term is 坐月子 which literally means like sitting the month.、Um, Which means in thirty for thirty days you don't leave your home. That's、oh, a long time. You don't bathe. Uh, you don't drink cold water. You have a specific diet which consists of really nutritional broths and soups. Um, and the whole you can't eat fruit, uh, vegetables. Um, the whole idea behind that is that when you give birth, you lose so much of your vital energy、hmm. because you're giving it to this baby and you're birthing it out. Your body literally goes through a complete transformation.、Mm-hmm. They say that like an average human can only—it's like the measurement for pain. I don't know what it's called. Like you know, like for heat, like Celsius, Fahrenheit. It's like the measurement for pain is a certain letter, and the average number. For humans, is like fifty two or forty five, and when women give birth, it jumps to sixty two, and they're able to do it. Wow! Yeah, who knew? Yeah, I can send you the thing. It is so fascinating. It just goes to show that women, when literally the whole act of giving birth is a whole like magnificent like like force of nature、mm-hmm. that no one can even really describe. And a lot of scientists and people have studied it and tried to break it down, like exactly what happens in the body.、Mm-hmm. But the fact that we're only actually only able to supposed to withstand a certain measurement of pain, but when we give birth, we can go above that threshold. We is, literally become superhuman. Literally, you've、yeah. heard women pregnant like be able to lift cars <laughs> and like do insane things、yeah. because there's a child in them.、Um, and the whole idea of 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 sitting the month is to just restore. All that energy that you've lost and that you've given up away because of for your child. The it's like balancing the yin and yin, the yang. Got it. Yeah, I have to say the chi. The Thank chi. you for, for jumping in. Yeah, and, and if you, you don't balance that, then you you can get sick. It could lead to diseases later. Interesting. Um. So the little things behind the not showering is you want to conserve. Your energy, right?、And、so when you shower, a lot of that energy gets dissipated in the heat, in the washing, in the scrubbing.、Huh. Like when you get when you're sick, you're not supposed to shower. I never shower when I'm sick, right? Um, I just stay in bed for days. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, you're right. Uh, vegetables and fruit are like a very yin fruit because、Food. it's cold. The consistency is cold. Ah, so there's so a you lot of cold water. That's why I don't drink cold. There's a lot of like, hot, cold, consi- like consistency of foods in Chinese in Chinese culture. Got it.、Um, like melons, like、mm-hmm. watermelon. You don't eat watermelon when it's cold,、uh, or when you have a cold, at least because your body already is cold. Right. Um. And the broths are all heavily,、um, you know, like there's like this like alcoholic soups that actually like invigorate your body to like pump the blood and to get the metabolism going. Interesting. So then everything can sort of be filled with this good like healthy moving blood.、Mm-hmm. Not that you're getting drunk off of it, but you know it's to. We also drink the soup in the winter time, so it's got a lot of ginger.、Um, Chicken,、um, garlic, and 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 this white,、um, this white uh, rice um, alcohol,、mm-hmm. and、um, it's to restore your body essentially for thirty months. 
Got it. Because you, because your body for thirty days. Sorry, Jesus. I keep saying thirty <laughs> you keep months. Saying 30 month, thirty days. <sighs> yes. Um, because your body has been put through a very traumatic event. Rigorous, yeah. With giving birth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. And I heard that like it's only immediate family that can come and visit, right? Like it's not like friends that can come and like. Right. Ideally, it's sort of like you're confined. And only the necessarily people in your lives, which maybe your mother, your husband, and your baby, and maybe someone else are there. Because then maybe the idea is, like, if you have other friends, they will steal your energy from you. You have to give your energy to your friends. Hey, uh, how's it yeah, baby? You're Tell right. me about it. And you're like, okay, now i got to talk to you about it and all this stuff. And the whole idea is you're not giving away your energy. You're restoring everything. Got it. So even, like, you know, you have to be calm and quiet and it's kind of like I, I look at it like a little retreat to restore everything. I kind of like it it seems like extended like a, an extended retreat with like focused meditation yeah it's good and if you think about it like the maternity leave here is not not very long right have you seen Ali Wong's stand up the newest one Hard no. Knock Wife you no. should watch it it's, it's amazing it's all about women's rights Oh, uh, I think you would love it. She flips things around from the men's perspective to the women's perspective, and it's so good. Interesting. And she has this thing of like, she goes, maternity leave? It's not for the baby. Fuck the baby. It's for the mom. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go back to work looking like shit, all disheveled and feeling like crap. I'm going to go back to work restored right. and ready to go. And like, anyways, it, it was hilarious. But side note, yes, it's not just about the baby. It's about the mom, too. You know, you go through this horrible, not horrible, you go through this really intense experience that has changed your body forever Mm -hmm. um and then your baby needs its mom yeah i cannot believe it's only three months that makes me furious because then what you hire nannies no 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 no. like yeah (sighs) and like a lot of jobs don't offer some sort of child care um option no yeah you know you don't work from i mean more so now more than ever i think people are really doing the whole like freelance way but even still you know there's no bring your baby to work or we'll make sure you find a way to to work from home for six months up to six or maybe places where women could go to pump breast milk for their child for when they get home right yeah yeah all this stuff and daycare and nannies are expensive so expensive and you you never know shit goes like you never know what could happen and you're gonna hire or if you don't have the money to hire a nanny like right so then why the why do you have a kid so other people could raise your kid well and also never mind the fact that women obviously make less money than men Mm -hmm. there's also something called the mommy tax and the daddy bump where it actually is more expensive for mothers for women to become mothers, they take a hit professionally at work and make less money. Yeah. But when dads, men become dads, it's looked at as like, oh, here you go. Yeah. Here's a you've pr- leveled up. Here's some money because you're a dad and you got to go do that dad thing. Right. Give you a pat on the back. Right. And this of whole thing. idea of like, oh yeah, like you know, we had like I had a kid, and it's like you didn't have the kid. Right. I had the kid. I get that. You know? Yeah. It's different. They talk about it differently. I have a friend who's pregnant now, and one of her things is, when I go into labor, do not say, we are in labor. Right. I am in labor. (laughs) Right. You are going to become a father, but I am the one in labor. And she's a very passionate about that she's very like don't tread on me don't step on this it's me not you like you're becoming a parent as well yeah but your bones are not moving and breaking and separating because a fucking thing is coming out of your hole you're not gonna tear from your vagina to your asshole right yeah totally jesus um 
And then the what the last thing I want to talk about that I touched on earlier is breastfeeding. Oh yeah. Breastfeeding black people and breastfeeding, it's a very touchy subject. Topic. Yeah. So when it comes to breastfeeding, if you believe popular culture, if you believe this idea that all moms breastfeed, that is not the fucking truth. Mm-hmm. Because black people, black women, I should say, in breastfeeding have notoriously had a really troubled, sordid history. So full disclosure, I was not breastfed for reasons other than the reasons I'm about to discuss. Um, breastfeeding for black people is really difficult for a couple of reasons. So, A, let's talk about the slavery factor. During slave times, pregnant slaves who have just given birth were essentially wet nurses for the master's children. Wet nurses are essentially women who are lactating, who give their breast milk to To other children. To other children. I think actually wet nursing, I think it's outlawed in the United States. I think so. Which makes sense Ah. because you don't know where those boobs have been. You're not quite sure how the woman that is lactating. There's no real way to keep lactating women who are wet nurses accountable for what's going in their body and therefore what's going into I the, see. the back, body of the back baby. Back then though, I mean my mom my mom grew up in a in a generation where they did that too. Like, really? Let's say um uh, her mom or her mom's sister or whatever back then um someone didn't have enough milk mm-hmm. and someone just had a child um, she would give her breast milk to the other other woman's child to help yeah. raise it. Okay. And so it was more of like a community. Like, if you don't have enough milk, I have plenty of milk. Got it. Um, or if I have two kids mm-hmm. and you only have one and you're you need no, milk. and you need milk, I'm like... Or you're not producing enough of it. Yeah, so I thought that was so interesting. To yeah. Like, like, I wonder, like, I, I always related back to nature. Like, if two elephants give birth... Does the one elephant baby go to the other mom for milk if mm-hmm. for whatever? I don't know. I'd have to look into that. Well, I, kn- I don't think it's outlawed in the UK. I think wet nursing is still a thing in the UK, but I know it's definitely not here in the United States, and that's for safety reasons. Hmm. But back in slave days, when the lactating slaves necessary. would wet nurse the master's children, there was, also, there was one child that went without mother's milk, and that was the baby of the slave. And so... Slave mothers would give their baby any sort of breast milk that they had, if they had any to give after a long day's worth of work. Mm -hmm. Generally, that wasn't much breast milk to spare. So slave children were fed with a combination of cow's milk and dirty water. Obviously not healthy. Obviously not good for an a a newborn child. And um, a lot of those slave children would die. Oh, that's so terrible. And so when formula was introduced in the late 1800s, it was really geared to and sold to the elite. This idea of, hey, rich people, you don't have to be attached to this kid if it needs to eat. Just whip up a bottle with some formula, give it to your kid, the kid can eat, you can go about doing whatever it is that you need to do. So it's obvious there's a a status thing when formula was first introduced, needless to say. So for African-American people today, it still is a status thing. It's still this idea. interesting. Yeah, it's still this idea of if you're lower income, you breastfeed because you can't afford formula. But if you can't afford formula, why not go with that option so you're not stuck to this kid all day? You could feed your baby oh, formula wow. as opposed to breast milk and and go on that about is, your day. Uh, that's that's crazy. It is crazy, but you've got to put yourself into the feet 
of mentally, uh, you have to put yourself into the feet of oppressed people. Yeah, and, I get and, it. And overcoming oppression. There's definitely going to be some things that we still hang on to. For sure. Couple that with the fact that there's not a family history of breastfeeding for a lot of African-American families out there. It is not something that the family has done for generations. Yeah, right. That's, I think that's where it is. It's like combine that. Right. On with this whole oppression that, that that makes sense why people would do formula. Right, exactly. And breastfeeding is tough. It's painful. Yeah, it hurts. hurts. Your breasts literally become like working machines. Right. Yeah, it transforms. Definitely. Yeah. And you and you need that support. You need that familiarity and that support with breastfeeding. Right. And that's not really common in African American mm, families. I see, yeah. Not only that, uh, in a lot of lower income birthing centers or hospitals, there's not breastfeeding education there either. Right. It really should come from the mom. It really should. But when there isn't that, that's when the hospitals and nurses and doctors and and these medical they professionals. Need, professionals need to come in and educate yeah. them and get and give education because that sort of breastfeeding education is available in higher income yeah. areas and it's vital absolutely yeah couple that with the fact that some people cannot separate breast breasts boobs tits whatever you want to call them some people just cannot stop thinking of them as a sexual body part right. Right. As opposed to a functional yes. body yes. part. And I'm sure there are women and men on both ends that may have, um, may not even want to breastfeed because it, it will destroy or taint or, or change. It's a decency thing. Yes. Which in fact, it's what it's there for in the first place is only to breastfeed. Absolutely. Um, but somehow it has become something different now. Right. Like we, we just can't separate those two things. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the fact that a lot of African-American people are conservative and are religious, yeah. there's further that element of, oh no, you will not do that in my house. You yeah. will not expose a sexual body part. I don't care what the reason is in my house. Yeah. And I remember going to certain African-American friends of mine's houses. If someone had just given a ba- given birth, I do remember hearing things like, you can breastfeed, but not in your auntie's house. She doesn't stand for that bullshit. Or you can breastfeed, but just go in the bathroom. Be out of sight. Oh Be God. out of mind. So th- that's... The culture. Yeah, that's a cultural thing. And that's a very direct way of saying there is no support mm-hmm. for breastfeeders in this mm-hmm. house. And then you've got the maternity leave, which is only 12 weeks. I mean, recommended breastfeeding length should be at least six months. Yeah, I breastfed for two years. Really? Yeah. That's a freaky long time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Two years. Well, Brazil. Because you grew up in Brazil, right? Mostly, yeah. Yeah, I think breastfeeding is like very, very focused on for new moms in Brazil. And I'm only saying that because I remember when Time magazine came out with a breastfeeding article and there were five different um, covers. And one of the covers, I will never forget it, was a five-year-old on a step stool stepping up to his mom's boob (laughs) as she was, like, doing something. Wow. But I remember being like, whoa, okay, that's, like, I'm cool with breastfeeding, but that's a lot even I remember still, like, sucking on my mom's nipples and, like... Just, like, the idea of, like, oh, that's my mom's nipples, like, sucking on them when I was, like, in, like, first or second grade. No I, milk would come out, but I remember just, like, sucking on them for fun. Oh. Yeah. I, I no record. I have no, <laughs> no memory of that. Zero memory. It's, it's like, very comforting because it's, like, that thing gave me life. Right. For two no, years. I get it. So I have a very good relationship with my mom's boobs. <laughs> 
awesome. I still like grab them and I'll play with them. Like she lets me do it. I don't know if I have any it. relationship with my mom's boobs, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's. I realize that. Like some people may like you, like may see them, like think or feel different. And I realize, like, I had to realize, like, why am I so comfortable? And or or earlier, like, why am I so attached? Or why do I feel like like that is like part of me because mm-hmm. it really is, mm-hmm. and for so long. Um, hmm. So. Yeah, I find it really interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. So all that said, I think that we need help in our lower I income I agree. African-American Only because communities to step up breastfeeding because it is so good and so vital yeah, for our baby. Yeah, it is. Um, I think formula is, is sure, I don't. I don't support formula. Um, I think if you can breastfeed, breastfeed. And Mm -hmm. I think of all the, like with all the education and everything we've been going through, I think what it really comes down to is that it's about the baby. Yeah. It does. It's not about the mom. Right. It has become that. Right. It has been distorted because of the history of slavery and the oppression, which is, makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's super, it's super makes perfect sense. But what it really is, is about the baby and who's missing out in the end is the baby, is the baby. Yeah. and there's so many health benefits that actually build your immune system mm-hmm. it, it inoculates um, probiotics in your intestines there's so much that breastfeeding does for that a child's health do. that formula and I don't care any kind of milk will never be able to do right. and if you look at science a lot of babies that were either c-section born mm-hmm. or not breastfed have a lot of health problems or have a lot of immune problems mm. because it wasn't like it wasn't really they didn't have the colostrum that they needed. Yeah, the yeah. foundation isn't there. Right. And so um, I agree. I, th- I think there needs to be education either through, through, either through parents or through the medical um, professionals because it's vital that babies get best friend yeah, no matter what. Definitely. I yeah. think that we also need to stop in the African-American community. We need to stop looking at breastfeeding as a white person thing. Yeah. Or a privileged right, thing. and even like within the the, the community itself, seeing yeah. it as like something that's not okay, or like that it's still something sexual, that it's it's transformed into a functional thing now. Yeah. So let it be, let it do, let it let it do its job. Definitely right, right. It's, yeah, you've had it for so many years, yeah. but now it's actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's us that are getting in our own way. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. So, guys, I hope that you have enjoyed this insight into birth from the Asian <laughs> and African-American population from our standpoint, from our perspective. We've had a great time talking to you about it. Mm-hmm. If you are in any lower income African-American areas, if you guys want to get involved and help change the uh, stigma that is associated to breastfeeding, we would love it. I know there's a couple of different organizations that you can get involved with. I'll put it in the show notes uh, if that is something that you feel called to do. But other than that, this episode was produced by Christian Humes at Zeitheist. I am Alana Webster. This is the Black and Yellow Podcast. You want to find the podcast on Instagram? Just search at Black and Yellow Podcast. You want to find me, Alana Webster, on Instagram? I'm at Renegade of Fun. We're also on Spotify and iTunes, just Black and Yellow Podcast. I am Jacqueline Chung Young on the gram and we hope you like this one. This is a little different, a little bit. Just uh, we, we wanted to talk about it. And so we hope you liked it. And have a wonderful summer. Have y'all. a wonderful summer. If you are pregnant, stay extra cool. Take yeah. care of yourself. Get that good, good health insurance, health care. Yeah. And make and sure it's insurance. unbiased. And yeah, and yeah. health insurance too. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.